0: News
1: Network What really is the price of freedom? Do you know? Is it the fight to let men into women's bathrooms? The fight to groom children into an agenda in the schools? Or is it the fight to stifle dissent and so-called misinformation? Truth is, it's none of those things. If you'd like to see it, the price of freedom is visible and on display at your local VA hospital. And that's the truth from TNN, The Truth News Network, and your master
2: of fact is Dan Newman. Let me ask you a question. Are you better off today than you were three years ago? Think about that for a second. Now, don't be hasty. Look back. That's not so far back that you've forgotten what was going on in your life three years ago. For many of us, it was pretty good. Most of us, it was pretty good as a matter of fact. And I won't even go into the circumstances that give me the ability to say My life was better off three years ago, three and a half years ago, whatever the exact number is. I'm not keeping up with the months. Things are not really good, and things around the world are getting worse every day. There are hotspots, political, military hotspots that are popping up, new ones every day that we just never thought would happen all at once. I wonder why. I wonder why it's all happening in the, the levels and in the diverse locations as is happening. I wonder what is causing that. I can only speculate. Now, we're going to dig into some news today. We do that every day. But we also can kind of look at some pieces of evidence that give us some answers about what really must be going on behind the scenes, even if we can't see it yet, because the only way circumstances would be shaping up as they are would be if what we think is behind the scenes as a cause is really what's causing the problems that we're experiencing today. And it's not just in the Middle East. We have issues in Southeast Asia, Northern Europe, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, pretty much on every continent. We have issues with people, with governments. Or people in governments have issues with us There's turmoil everywhere. And I don't remember it being this way three and a half years ago. Most of the turmoil we were experiencing back then came from inside the United States. And now we have at least 8 million people have come into our country in just three, three and a half years. Eight million most of who, we don't have any idea who they really are, where they came from, any background information. And pretty much today, if they came into the country three or four days ago, we have no idea where they are. All that's happening at our southern border is we open the gates and let these people in. They go appear before a customs enforcement person who gives them a court date at which time they're told you must come back here on this date so you can have a judge decide if you can stay in the United States. And the earliest court dates are giving out now, in many cases, are as long away as 10 years. And it's just one more layer and another layer and another layer and another layer of things just piling up. There are so many moving parts to life in America that are unnecessary, but they've been brought on, instigated, and perpetuated by people that call themselves our government officials. Who can we blame? Really? You want me to answer that? Look in the mirror. When I look in the mirror, I see one person that is partially the cause for what our government is. It's because of who we have in government, and we the people are the ones that determine that at every level, every couple of years. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. No, Israel hasn't just gone totally berserk. We were expecting a launch of an all-out land war attack on Gaza last night. It didn't happen, and we're watching closely to see if that happens during the day today. There is a lot of news that's coming out of the Middle East today. So we're going to hear from some experts, one of them being Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. We have some other folks you want to hear from. Little parcels and pieces of wisdom and thoughts, things some of us have never even thought about, could be happening, they're happening. All that and much, much more. And oh, by the way, Inflation numbers just came out less than an hour ago. We've got all that news. We'll kick into it right after, oh, this is an appropriate song title, beginnings. Right after the beginnings, we're going to dig into this and a bunch of other stuff. Stay right there. Okay. 50 years ago, oh my gosh, I was in college when that song came out. No, that wasn't Chicago, that was a version by Leonid and Friends. We play from that group quite often, the uh, rewrites. It's really not a rewrite, it's just a re-recording of the original of Chicago songs. That sure sounded like Chicago, didn't it? Well, news, news, news. We've got some economic news, not really good news. Inflation numbers came out about an hour or so ago. Guess what? Inflation remained high in September, staying well above the Fed's 2% target. That's according to the latest Bureau of Labor Statistics released this morning. The CPI, the Consumer Price Index, which is a measure of the prices of everyday goods, things we buy All kinds of things, full spectrum of the things that we buy. It increased 3.7% on an annual basis last month. That's compared to 3.7% in August, which exceeded the expectation of 3.6%. Now, I don't even know why they put this particular stat in here. It's called Core CPI. Core CPI. What is it? Well, that's a number that leaves out the what they say are volatile categories, energy and food. Even taking that out, because that's where you and I saw the big, or seemed to be, the place where the biggest jumps were in inflation. But if you even strip those out, it's still high. It's still high. And it is remaining high, rising to 4.1% year over year last month. The combination of high headline inflation and low core inflation is doubly bad for average Americans because the economy seems to be slowing, but they're still paying higher prices for things like gas, one of their more and most important purchases. That's from Dr. Thomas Hogan, who's a senior research faculty member at the American Institute for Economic Research and also former chief economist for the Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs. Based on the Fed's most recent economic projections, they expect to raise interest rates one more time this year. Financial markets are currently projecting them to keep rates steady into next month, November. Raise the rates again in December. Oh my gosh. But if inflation comes in higher than expected, it would make a November rate hike more likely. Shelter, now think about this, shelter made up more than half of the increase in inflation for last month. It rose 7.2% year over year. While the rise in the price of gasoline, also a big contributor, rising 2.1% for just one month, 3% for the year. Despite inflation persistently remaining above three percent over the last few months, the Fed chose not to raise its federal funds rate at the last open market committee meeting in September. They kept the rate at a range of five and a quarter and five and a half percent. And they'll announce whether or not rates are going to go up again at the conclusion of their next meeting, November the first. The rate has been hiked. Listen to this. 11 times since March of 2022. They're trying to bring down inflation that peaked at 9.1% in June of 2022. You want me to put that in a nutshell and just give you the abbreviated version? We're in a bad spot, folks. Things aren't looking good for the economy of the United States there's only one thing I'm, I've got to have a little bit of an argument about. I paid $2, $2.74 for gasoline yesterday, Two seventy-four. We were paying a good bit over $3 just two weeks ago. I don't know what happened. Now, this is North Louisiana. I don't know if it's some kind of war between the vendors, the gasoline and diesel vendors up here. I don't know why. But we haven't seen... a gallon in quite a while. We're watching it, folks. Meanwhile, I go back to the loaf of bread every time we have this conversation. Marianne fixed me a sandwich yesterday for lunch, and it looked like she had taken regular pieces of bread and chopped off about a third all the way around. You know what I mean? Paying the same price for that same loaf of bread, but they made the slices of bread smaller to make us think, hey, everything's just like it used to be. Everything's the same. Look, you paid the same amount for this loaf that you did six months ago. But the loaf has changed. I guess that's just one example. I kept waiting and waiting to hear what Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, was going to have to say. You knew it was building up inside of him and that he wasn't going to be able to not get on the bully pulpit and go nuts on Hamas. And he did just that. Gave a speech last night, a pretty darn good speech. So I promised you I was going to let you listen to that speech. Now, the very first part of it, They've got uh, an interpreter, he gives the speech in Hebrew, of course, and they've got an interpreter and they're going to take it, oh, I don't know, probably 20 seconds to get the volume between the interpreter and Netanyahu to get it just right. But here is Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, and as you get into it, listen to the verbiage Coming from that interpreter.
3: We go live now to Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is speaking. We have a translation uh, as well. Let's watch.
4: Boys and girls who were shot in their heads, men and women who were burnt alive, young ladies, young women who were raped and slaughtered, children whose heads were cut, were decapitated they brought into one room children and threw in uh, tires from vehicles so they will burn, they'll burn alive the horrific matters Think how great, how horrific it is how painful it is every family in Israel knows someone who has been, who died was murdered in, in this hell.
0: We all know, know
4: families whose dear ones were murdered or burned, but as horrific and as horrific as the horror is, is the so great is the heroism that we saw. Men and women who displayed utmost heroism, who fought, we will all fight together over our homes. The, unified, the unity of the nation in these days of pain, and it reaches the whole world. It's spread. We saw this in the speech of Biden, who was so heartfelt and and moving we got we received a unprecedented uni, universal support in israel from from abroad a following a, following biden's words a, 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 a great deal of ammunition is coming and will be coming to israel we are fighting with all our strengths on all fronts we have moved over to the offense every hamas every hamas member and they are ice they are isis they will be destroyed the way we destroyed the world destroyed isis we will do that with hamas i ask you all to support the the fighters the 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 warriors all The people of Israel are behind you, or the nation of Israel. And I tell the the citizens of Israel and to my colleagues here, and I tell all of you, um, each one will help. In the words of the prophet Joshua, each one will help each other. The nation of Israel lives, and
2: together, unified, we will win. Together, unified we will win. I've been waiting to hear a speech like that from Benjamin Netanyahu, who is a real cut-and-dried world leader. He's done an amazing job through the years propping up, lifting up, encouraging the people of Israel to not give in. Don't you know right now, in the horror, the the torture, the terrorism that we've seen, seen there since last Saturday, it would be easy for people The Israeli people, they wanted to stop. Now, if this was in the United States of America, people would have been screaming toward the White House starting the same day the slaughter began, screaming for the president to stop it, make it stop. That's exactly what Netanyahu spoke to. He spoke to finishing this, not quitting, but finishing this. And he put every member of Hamas, every Palestinian rebel, and also every one of the mullahs in Iran and said, you guys better quit this or you're dead. And I'm pretty sure he meant it. Now, I heard a bunch of chatter yesterday after the reports came out about those Israeli soldiers that went into this one building and there were... The little bitty corpses of infants that had been beheaded. And I heard all kinds of people making excuses for that. Oh, they're just trying to prop it up and make it look and sound worse than it was. Well, an Israeli military spokesman this morning confirmed reports that Hamas terrorists beheaded babies amid their ruthless attacks this weekend that saw hundreds of Israeli civilians killed in their homes. Israeli Defense Forces spokesman Jonathan Conricus said a coroner who visited the aftermath of this massacre at a kibbutz close to the Gaza Strip had seen the children's bodies and confirmed how they died. Here's what he said, the coroner. I admit it took us some time to really understand and verify that report. And it was hard to believe that even Hamas could perform such a barbaric act, he said in comments. And this was broadcast overnight by the BBC. I think we can now say with relative confidence that this is what Hamas did. There were bodies scattered everywhere, mutilated. In the immediate aftermath of these Hamas attacks, reports circulated that terrorists had raped women and children, beheaded infants, but they were later decried as, here we go, our U.S. term for anything that goes against the government narrative. Misinformation, that's what they said it was. But Prime Minister Netanyahu alleged the attackers engaged in various atrocities, including Binding boys and girls and shooting them in the head, burning people alive, raping women, and beheading soldiers even. The same spokesman told NBC News that he could not confirm how many babies had been beheaded. But he then added, what I can't confirm is there were enormous witness testimonies along with evidence found in the field that there were children that were grotesquely murdered and their body parts were removed. Then this morning, the IDF's official social media accounts published an image showing an ISIS flag, of all things, that they claimed had been left at the kibbutz of Sufa. The image was later circulated by the Jerusalem Post, though it is unclear whether Hamas fighters left the Islamist insignia at that kibbutz. It comes after Netanyahu shared an image of a blood-stained child's bed with the caption, Hamas is worse than ISIS. That's who we're dealing with. I don't care who you are. You can't give people that will do this even credence, credence just sufficient to be considered a human. You can't ascribe that to people that could do this. I saw the initial report. It was a female reporter, and she was attached to the Israeli military, and she was standing between the camera talking to the reporter that was taking the video, and behind her was a small group of about 10 or 12 Israeli soldiers, all of them were male and several of them were weeping openly and she was crying. They had just walked up on that scene where those babies' little bodies beheaded were laying around in the rubble. I can't imagine anybody doing it and even more so, I can't imagine anybody that would think doing that was okay. But then what we must understand in the West, this is the part of the world. And the Muslims, the radical Muslims, it's part of life. Their purpose is to take over the world, destroy anybody that disagrees with them in any way. And they don't care how or who, they just want them gone. Remember one of the credos, the section's In Islam regarding infidels, and by the way, if you're not of the Muslim faith, you're considered by Muslims to be an infidel. Convert the infidel or kill the infidel. No other option. Convert them to Islam or kill them. Wow. And it just gets deeper and deeper. Here back at home, National Organization of Pro-Hamas Student Groups, at one time they expressed their support for our representatives in the House of Representatives Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib. I mean, they were in full support. It's a nationwide pro-Palestinian activist organization. It has chapters in elite universities across the U.S. They once express support for those Democrat reps. And I think things are changing a bit. This national group is the umbrella organization for a number of campus chapters of Students for Justice in Palestine behind campus rallies in support of Palestine and the terrorist atrocities committed by Hamas against Israeli civilians, like the beheading of babies. The national SJP's conference materials for its November 2019 national conference, it appeared to express support for Omar and Tlaib because of their support for the anti-Israel boycott, divestment, and sanctions. That's BDS. You hear about BDS all the time. Support for the Palestinian cause is increasing within mainstream politics, the election of progressive reps including Rashida Taleb and Ilhan Omar who openly endorse the boycotts the divestment and the sanctions movement demonstrates this shift this reflects a critical juncture in the history of the solidarity movement as calls for justice are permeating traditional spaces of power that's from a web page out of the conference materials The Solidarity Movement must amplify these calls, not only by pushing for policies that demand the end of the Israeli occupation, but also by firmly challenging the notion that justice for the Palestinian people can be attained without a Zionist framework. Zionists. Jews. Several BDS organizations have been linked to Palestinian terrorist groups and Jewish organizations have accused the movement of anti-Semitism. Go figure. The BDS website accuses Israel of what they call settler colonialism and apartheid for its treatment of Palestinians. The National SJP posted a call to action on Sunday, urging its campus chapters to mobilize for a day of resistance on October 12th. October 12th, that would be today, to support the liberation of Palestine. The National SJP website states it has more than 200 student chapters on campuses across the U.S. Today, we witness a historic win for the Palestinian resistance across land, air, and and see, our people have broken down the artificial barriers of the Zionist entity, taking with it the facade of an impenetrable settler colony and reminding each of us that total return and liberation to Palestine is near. And oh, by the way, just as a simple aside, um whatever happened to the nation of Palestine, where was it? there never has been a nation called palestine if you didn't hear yesterday's show you need to go back grab it at any one of the podcast sites that you you have at your disposal like spotify and iheart radio apple podcast google podcast any place that, one of the big places that carries Podcast. The name of the show is TNN Live. Put that in your search bar. Go listen to yesterday's show. It gives a complete breakdown of the history of this horrible relationship, if you can call it that, between the Palestinians and Israelis. And it all goes back to one man. I'll give you a biblical explanation. One man, Abraham. Father Abraham, remember the kid's song? Father Abraham. Father Abraham was the father of Israel. If you're gonna be a father, you gotta have a son to carry on a generational line. You know what I mean? His wife, Sarah, couldn't get pregnant. Didn't get pregnant. So Sarah herself had come to know God. And in prayer... She was praying to God to help her get pregnant. What are we going to do? You promised my husband he was going to be the father of nations. How can he do that when he can't have a baby? And she said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to give my handmaiden, Hagar, to Abraham and tell him to sleep with her, get her pregnant so he can have a son. Well, of course, A wife goes to a husband and tells the husband the story and says, hey, go at it. Yes, ma'am, I'm going to do what I got to do. And sure enough, she gets pregnant, has a son, and the son's name was Ishmael. But Ishmael was not to be the line of Abraham, the father of nations. And sure enough, Sarah got pregnant on her own and they had Isaac. Isaac is the father of Israel. Ishmael is the father of Islam. And there is a world of history that bears that out and tells the story. You need to find it. Go listen to that segment in the show yesterday. It's not me talking. It's somebody that is a historian that knows what happened how it happened, and who was involved. Let's move on. And by the way, thank you for being here today. We appreciate it. I know there are so many moving parts in life right now. It's tough to keep up with it all. We're going to always grab at least the highlights to make sure you don't miss anything. So always come here. And by the way, we publish stories, sometimes two or three a day. But you can always get a story about something that you probably didn't know about at truthnewsnet.org. Today, we published part one of a series that debunks climate emergency, and it's not us debunking anything. 1,609 scientists, scientists, you know, those people that know science. 1,609 of them, and after this story was published, Dozens more joined in and signed an agreement saying this, there is no climate emergency. Part one published today, part two will be published tomorrow. Check them both out. Now, Israeli's president, now Benjamin Netanyahu is the prime minister, Israeli's president, Herzog, he came out yesterday blasting CNN of all, people for accusing Israel of war crime. Herzog, whose role is pretty much just ceremonial and diplomatic, is a former left-wing politician who had advocated for peace and negotiations with the Palestinians, but he, like much of the rest of Israel, strongly supports overwhelming response to any type of Palestinian terrorism. In a news conference with the foreign press, Herzog described some of the atrocities committed by Hamas and said that Israel would respond to Palestinian terror with an iron fist while adhering to the laws of war. Herzog answered a question from the United Kingdom's television network about avoiding hardship to ordinary Gazans by rejecting the idea they were unaware of Hamas's terrorist operations. It's absolutely not true. There is short memory in the world. He noted Israel left Gaza unilaterally back in 2005. They, took, they gave it over to the Palestinians. And that instead of building the Hong Kong of the Middle East, which is what they claimed they were going to do, Palestinians had allowed Hamas to build a machine of evil. Herzog said he was disappointed by the same old rhetoric. We are operating militarily according to the rules of international law, period, unequivocally. But we are at war. We are at war. We are defending our homes. We are protecting our homes. That's the truth. And when a nation protects its home, it fights, and we will fight until we break their backbone. Now, here comes CNN. <laughs> this reporter, I've never heard of her. Becky Anderson is her name. She asked the Israeli president, the collective punishment of a civilian population amounts to a war crime under international law. The U.S. has warned Israel to uphold laws at war. So, President Herzog, he just jumped right in, interrupted her. Now we're starting with the rhetoric about war crimes? Really? Truly, with all due respect, I do believe that this comes totally out of context. Then a journalist from Channel 4 in the UK later followed up by accusing Herzog of holding the people of Gaza responsible for not removing Hamas, and therefore, by implication, that makes them legitimate targets. Herzog said, I didn't say that. But with all due respect, if you have a missile in your GD kitchen and you want to shoot it at me, am I allowed to defend myself? Of course I am. And he wasn't through. After some back and forth with the journalist, he said, we have to fight. What do you want us to do? We are fighting terror. Humanity has to decide. Are we accommodating terror or are we fighting terror? We are fighting terror. I agree. There are many, many innocent Palestinians, but unfortunately, in their homes, there are missiles pointed at us, at my children, at the entire nation of Israel. This is the tragedy of terror, and there is no mercy to terror or for those who promote it. I don't know how more logically he could have responded to that journalist. He just basically said the facts. Now, put the shoes on your feet. You're over there living. You're constantly looking over your shoulders for rockets or missiles coming from somewhere else. You're watching your kids go to school every day and you have no idea, no real assurance they're going to come back that day. Not because of anything you or your government is doing, but because terrorists are out there and they're hell-bent to destroy everybody that is an infidel. And if you're not a Muslim, a radical Muslim, Hamas, every member of it, Iran, every one of the leaders there, Hezbollah, They all think you should be dead if you don't formally and loudly support Islam and terrorists. That's just a simple fact. You can't reconcile it. Don't try to figure it out. What we need to do is find the best way, the one that has the least price that comes with it for innocent people and just stop this terrorism from happening and I'm like Herzog President Herzog, whatever it takes just like Larry the Cable Guy said get her done
3: get cracking and feel unbeatable with new Omelette Bites from Duncan. bacon and cheddar or egg white and veggie made with cage free eggs and packed with protein take on the day with new Omelette Bites from Duncan. America Runs on Duncan.
0: 35 years after the original movie, Fox is bringing you back to where it all began.
3: Nobody puts baby in the corner. This is the real Dirty Death.
0: Eight celebrities compete to become the real baby and Johnny.
3: Where my Johnny his.
0: Some will rise. Oh. Some will fall. Oh. All will have the time of their life. The Real Dirty Dancing four-week event.
3: Starts Tuesday at 9 on Fox 5.
4: Ready to take your Jenga skills to the next level? If you're an all-star at building towers and balancing blocks, then build up the competition in New Jenga Maker. Playing teams to finish first and claim the crown. Jenga and New Jenga Maker. Reach the top of your game, each sold separately.
2: Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin.
3: No, it isn't.
2: And she uses it in public.
3: Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky.
1: I couldn't do that.
3: I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay, drown her out with a two hundred mile per hour cordless leaf blower.
5: Got it. Here she comes.
0: Hey, Snuggle Muffin. Oh, what are you doing, Snuggle? Snuggle. snuggle-, snuggle-
5: I am so out of here. Wait. Come back, Thunder
1: Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Subway Restaurant Storytime Theater proudly presents Jack and the Beanstalk. fee fi I smell the... I smell uh, something delicious. Hey, little fella, what you got there?
3: Oh, this? It's the big hot pastrami
1: sub from Subway Restaurants. Mmm. That does look tasty. It sure is. Climbing that beanstalk out there makes you hungry. Uh, You mind if I have a bite? Sure. I'll trade you for that goose over there with the golden eggs. You got a deal! Hungry for something big? Then pick up a big hot pastrami sub from Subway restaurants. Layer upon layer of delicious hot pastrami stacked high and toasted to flavorful perfection on freshly baked bread. Talked with pickles, mustard, and melted Swiss cheese. It's the perfect way to satisfy any giant-sized appetite. Big Hot Pastrami, available at participating restaurants for a limited time only. See restaurants for details. Subway, eat fresh. When the left seeks to impeach a president for resisting efforts to frame him, you need clarity. And you get it right here at TNN, the Truth News Network. And again, Dan Newman.
2: So the million dollar question that looking for an answer is did Iran have anything to do with this assault on Israel coming out of Hamas? And of course, even our very own Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said Monday, quote, We have no evidence that Iran directed or was behind this particular attack, but there is certainly a long relationship there. Now, this is the same guy that uh, he tweeted some things out that were incorrect and wrong, and he hurriedly canceled his tweets. This seems to be a practice to the leadership in the Biden administration on every controversial issue They're always stepping out of line, and of course, whoever is drawing the line, they're not finding out who's saying what, in many cases, until after they say it. And then they're taking their loops of rope and throwing it out and grabbing the person that's saying it, saying, you delete that. You can't say that. So you heard what Blinken said. Well, guess what one Iranian official had to say? He said Iranian security officials helped plan Hamas's Saturday surprise attack on Israel and gave the green light for the assault at a meeting in Beirut, not recently, last Monday, a week ago. That's according to several senior members of Hamas and Hezbollah. Hezbollah is another Iran backed militant group. Officers of one of the most ruthless. Federal, National police forces on the planet Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Officers of that organization Worked with Hamas since August To come up with the Air, Land, and Sea Incursions Plan The most significant breach of Israel's border Since 1973 Details of the operation were refined During a couple of other meetings in Beirut Attended by the Revolutionary Guard and representatives of four Iran-backed militant groups, including Hamas, which holds power in Gaza, Hezbollah, a Shiite, Shiite militant group and political faction up in Lebanon, just above Israel. U.S. officials said, we hadn't seen anything wrong, well now they've changed their tune. A European official and an advisor to the Syrian government, however, gave the same account of Iran's involvement in the lead-up to the attack as the senior Hamas and Hezbollah members. Asked about the meetings, Mahmoud Mirdawi, a senior Hamas official, said the group planned the attacks on its own. This is a Palestinian and Hamas decision. A spokesman for Iran's mission to the United Nations says the Islamic Republic stood in support of Gaza's actions, but they didn't direct them. I see nothing, I see nothing, Sergeant Schultz. Yeah, right. They're taking victory laps on a world stage right now for what they've done. Death to the infidel. Death to America, the big Satan. Death to Israel, the little Satan. That's what they call our two countries. Now, any direct Iranian goal in their involvement, would take Tehran's long-running conflict with Israel out of the shadows, raising the risk of broader conflict across the Middle East. Senior Israeli security officials have pledged to strike at Iran's leadership if Tehran is found responsible for killing a single Israeli. The Revolutionary Guard's broader plan, they want to create a multi-front threat that can strangle Israel from all four sides— Hezbollah and the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine in the North and Palestinian Islamic Jihad and Hamas in Gaza and the West Bank. Wow. What a crew, according to the senior Hamas and Hezbollah members and an Iranian official. All of these organizations were involved in this latest assault on Israel. At least 700 Israelis. Now it's over 1,000. Saturday's assault has punctured the country's aura of invincibility and left Israelis questioning how their vaunted security forces could even let this happen. We're going to be looking for the answers to those questions for weeks and maybe even months to come, but I promise you, Netanyahu and company, Herzog, the president, they put two divided entities, the one under the prime minister and the one under the president They came together yesterday in agreement, a united front. They're taking on anybody and everybody that had anything to do with this terrorist activity or comes in line to support any of those who took part in it. They're going to be considered to be bitter enemies. And Netanyahu said this, every Hamas, every member of Hamas is a dead man. I don't think anybody can question where he is in his thinking at this time. Can you? So I guess you heard about what here in the good old U.S. of A. and those very lefty universities, what groups of student activists did. They came together and they sent a letter. And the letter was talking about their support for the Palestinian rebels. Well, guess what? All those people that are in those very prestigious universities, most of up on the East Coast, those kids, and they're not all kids, but they're soon going to be adults. They're going to look for jobs out there. And now it looks like those who signed that letter are going to be exposed. And it's not looking too promising for those kids I say kids, they're not kids, but they're stupid young people putting their names on something as ridiculous as supporting a terrorist organization that would behead infants and tie kindergarten and elementary school kids in a circle, pour gas on them and burn them to death. Listen to this.
3: Welcome back. Ivy League students who have blamed Israel for the horrific Hamas terror attacks may be having a tough time getting a job in the real world. Billionaire hedge fund manager Bill Ackman is calling on Harvard to release the names of the students who signed onto a letter that said Israel is entirely responsible for the bloodshed. Ackman writing in this tweet that he has been asked by a number of CEOs if the university would reveal their identities to ensure that they won't hire them. Looks like there's already been some consequences. The president of NYU's Student Bar Association sent a message to the school that said Israel bears full responsibility for the terror attacks, while the New York Post reports that she has lost a cushy job offer at the law firm that was set to hire her. Well, Greg, what about that? Well, I mean, the campus is ground zero for this mind virus of identity politics. It really is a trade school for vicarious terrorists who can indulge in the splendors of the west with their iPhones and every in Wi-Fi as they egg on its own destruction. I mean, we're seeing young people argue against the existence of the very country they live in. And this is not about limiting free speech, it's about private entities deciding not to employ the ghouls who support beheading babies. I mean, let me put it this way, in in a more direct way. Do Jewish parents or any parents have a right to know about the posting of a pro Hamas student that they might consider as a babysitter? Would you want that person around your family? Of course not. You have every right to not hire somebody because of their beliefs. Mm I'm so sad that I said permission to use a metaphor and not an analogy. <laughs> no, that's all right. Because that's Jesse. Is that going to keep you, you yeah. up tonight? I just had to say that to clear the record. Um, Jessica, what about this? It's the CEOs are stepping up. Um, you've got the Jonathan Neiman, the CEO of uh, Sweetgreen, mm-hmm. answering the call, tweeting out that uh, he'd like to know the names. I'm never going to hire those people.
5: Yeah, I actually know him from college. Um, he went to Georgetown and... I spent a lot of time there. My college boyfriend was there, and they were friends. <laughs> um, and, and that am tracking down from Bryn Mawr, um, he's a great guy, and I think that people do have a right to this. If you could not get a job because you were topless at a frat party or you smoked pot and that was on social media, then this seems like it's actually a lot more meaningful about how you see the world, what kind of employee you're going to be, what what you will add to the culture. I do think it's funny about this woman who was um, the head of the NYU Student Bar Association, that she was going off to a big law firm. She wasn't going to be a public defender or something like that. She was going to a cushy job and get on the corporate law track and make millions of dollars, which seems quite the opposite of these kind of views to espouse Um Yesterday, I mentioned this. I think there's a tremendous education chasm that happens um, about a lot of issues. You know, Civics here in the U.S., we talk about it all the time. But people clearly don't understand the origins of this conflict or what it actually means. And their teachers aren't doing a good job explaining it to them, which is a shame. Some professors are speaking out, like Larry Summers and Jason Furman at Harvard as well, released a whole statement of his own saying, I usually don't get involved in this, but I cannot be silent about it.
6: Judge? I think the interesting part of this is you have these... Uh Students coming out of these prestigious hoi polloi institutions who now will find themselves unemployable, Mm -hmm. you know, that they will be responsible for what they've said. They will be held accountable. And that's why, you know, the names of the CEOs should also uh, be identified in terms of the ones who've indicated that they, you know, kind of buy into this. You know, we're not going to we're not going to reward this kind of behavior. But, you know, you have to look at it in a couple of ways. You know, there's such a thing as free speech, uh, but there's also such a thing. And and I think Harvard needs to look at at it this way as leveraging Harvard as part of that free speech. And what they're doing is they're also bringing down Harvard, unless this is a place where Harvard wants to be, you know. And some young people are telling me that they call it performative activism where they literally don't really believe in any of this stuff, but they say it to get along. They say it, you know, to make sure that they pass their grades and that they don't have any problems at school. Mm -hmm. But now if there's accountability, they're going to have to start having a moral core. Dan? Uh, well, I would say a couple things. One, I want the, Ackman wants the names of all of them from Harvard because he does want to hire them. I want their names because I never want to pay a single taxpayer dollar towards their student loan. <laughs> I'm just absolutely not going to do that for any of them. The other thing is there are some university presidents that are doing some great work. So yeah. Ben Sass, the former senator of Nebraska, is now at the University of Florida. His statement that he put out today is one like if you're thinking of where to send your kids to school, this might be a really good school to do. It's very clear. He says he will respect free expression, but that he is also going to protect the Jewish students at the school. I guess they are anticipating some big protests at some of these schools coming up. So if you want to just moral clarity from a university president, former Senator Ben Sass at the University of Florida provided it.
2: I have never understood these student activists that go off to college. Most of them, they stray away from their core ideals from when they were in high school, now many young people of all ages, you know, they, they get political thought processes whirling around in their head. They'll go this way left or they'll go this way right. Many of them do that. But most of them don't get actually activated in the political world until they get to college. And not every person goes to a college where it is like number one, a big deal. I mean, in the South, you don't see a bunch of it. I wonder why that is. I think I know why, but I would be speculating if I said my thoughts on it. Nevertheless, it happens a lot. Now, about the employers or potential employers out there, let me give you personal history. I owned a company for 30-plus years that I founded and created, and it grew in size, and we had a large group of employees, different all came from or most of them came from not really rich families, middle class, even some underclass, I'm talking about underclass economically, families. But they had one common cause among all of them. They wanted a good paying job that had good benefits and that all came in a good work environment which we had. Now years ago, years ago, we turned HR over to a full-time employee. So I didn't get directly involved very much. But what I demanded from my HR people, I demanded that when you interview somebody, ask them for their social media passwords, specifically Facebook, Twitter, and Google. Why would I want us to have that? so that we could take a look at what those people had been saying in their rearview mirror. And you know why that is? I'll quote a scripture. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, typically, every human being, however you feel about anything, you're going to say something about it. And when you say something about it, it's going to come straight from your heart, how you really feel feel about that particular issue. You would probably be surprised, maybe you wouldn't be, at how many people would not turn over access to their social media pages. And of course, we never hired anybody that wouldn't do that because that obviously meant they have something to hide that they don't want a future employer to know about but I guarantee you it saved us a whole bunch of heartburn. We didn't really ever have any uprisings about anything. Good work atmosphere, good pay, better than normal pay for people at that level, and we didn't require college education to go to work in our company. What we required is somebody that was committed, that was pleasant, and that wanted to work, but first wanted to learn about the work and most of that education came on the job work, and it was effective. Company still is. It's not mine anymore. I handed it over to a son-in-law about four years ago. About the time that TNN Live came into existence. Wow. You know the name Khomeini. Khomeini. He's the Iranian leader. He. Yesterday, threatened Israel with greater disaster if Israel defends itself from terror. (laughs) There's more to that story. I've got the goods for you on it right after this.
3: This is your home. This is your family room slash gym. The guest bedroom slash music studio. The daybed slash dog bed. The living room slash yoga shanti slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. <laughs> and this is the basement slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. Hey, what's the
1: biggest number you can think of?
0: A trillion billion zillion.
3: That's pretty big. How about
1: you? Ten. Okay. How about you?
0: Infinity! Can you top that? Infinity and in one!
1: Actually, we are looking for infinity plus infinity. Sorry.
0: What about infinity times infinity?
1: <laughs> it's not complicated. Bigger is better. And AT&T has the nation's largest 4G network. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but...
0: Shouldn't there be more back and forth?
5: You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. It's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother.
4: Put the wolf down. You guys good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Yep. Get the
1: right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive, no drama.
0: Biggie bag, huh? It's new from Wendy's. It's everything you ever wanted for just five bucks. Everything I ever wanted? Wendy's bacon double stack, four nuggets, fries, a drink, and the spelling bee medal you lost in second grade because you couldn't spell liquid. It really is everything I ever wanted.
1: Get a bacon double stack with a quarter pound of fresh beef, nuggets, fries, and a drink for just five bucks. Wendy's biggie bag is everything you ever wanted.
0: Sorry, I'm gonna need all that back. Uh, really?
1: When the press takes their marching orders from powerful special interests, you want a direct source for the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network.
2: Again, Dan Newman. And by the way, if you'd like to weigh in personally anytime on this show, call toll free 1 866 37 Truth. That's 1 866 378 7884. Toll free. And uh, by the way, this is not radio, this is streaming satellite information which means it's not governed by the fcc federal communications commission so you can say anything with impunity now if and when you call we don't have any call screeners i don't like that concept i want you to be able to come on the air and say whatever you want if we don't like it we don't like it (laughs) but we're not going to screen you before you get on the air so Again, one 37 truth one Now, who is Khomeini? Well, he is the big guy in Iran. Speaking at a graduation ceremony for Iranian military cadets two days ago, Ayatollah Ali Khomeini described the brutal Hamas terrorist attack on Saturday as an and this is a quote, irreparable defeat for Israel. And he, of course, blamed the Israelis for bringing rape and murder upon themselves. Oh, yeah, you believe that, don't you? I I can see it now. These Israeli people were looking across into Gaza and they were saying, hey, y'all come over here and uh, cut off our babies' heads or take our schoolchildren and tie them up. Pour gasoline on them and burn them to death. Yeah, we want you to come do that. Yeah, he said, Israelis are to blame for bringing rape and murder upon themselves. Here's his excuse. Quote, the cause of this destructive storm was the continuous brutality and ferocity of the fake usurper regime against the Palestinian nation, Khomeini said. This regime cannot conceal its monstrous and devious face in the attack on Gaza and the massacre of Gazans through the act of lying or by playing the victim. By speaking nonsense, he said, it cannot attribute the bravery of the Palestinian youth and their intelligent plans to non-Palestinians, he said, attempting to portray the cowardly Hamas murder of innocent women and children as some sort of bold military action conducted by Palestinian youth. From the military and intelligence aspects, this defeat is irreparable. It is a devastating earthquake. It is unlikely that the usurping regime will be able to use the help of the West to repair the deep impacts that this incident has left on its ruling structures, he claimed. So whatever else the Hamas atrocity accomplished, it cannot be said to have inflicted much damage on the ruling structures of Israel unless some of the babies believed to have been decapitated by Khamenei's loved Palestinian youth were destined to become members of the Israeli government when they grew up. He praised the Hamas terrorist as Mujahideen, or holy warriors, and railed against the brutal measures taken by Israel against the oppressed Palestinian nation. He denounced the Israeli government as the most shameless and cruel enemy Muslims have ever faced. The Ayatollah dismissed criticism that Hamas slaughtered hundreds of innocents, claiming their innocence was merely a creation of the global arrogance and its media. He threatened the Israelis with even worse consequences if they retaliate against the terrorists that he supports. He doesn't support them. He created them. He feeds them. He trains them. He funds them. And he laughs at his own people. You do realize that he can say these things and get away with it in most Muslim-controlled nations. Why is that? Do you know kids are taught these very things that he claims are truth? Night before last, I just happened to be walking through a room and Sean Hannity's show was on. And as I walked through, he showed some of the videos, comic videos that were put together by radical Muslims, and they were playing these videos like Saturday Morning Comics here in the United States when we were growing up. They were playing these videos that showed that the Israeli people were butchers, and they were killing young Muslims. At will, just going oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill him. Look, there's another one. We wanna kill him. Teaching those kids that are raised in those homes in Iran, in Palestine, in Lebanon, in every Muslim country, that the infidel, who is anybody that's not Muslim, is evil and deserves to die. And this Ayatollah, he laughs his butt off when he's in private or when he's in closed-door meetings, you can bet it, because he thinks he's got everybody fooled. Everybody in Muslim countries, they believe him. He's the Ayatollah, right? He said some more. Listen to this. The rulers and decision-makers of the Zionist regime and their supporters should know that these actions will bring a greater disaster upon them. And the Palestinian people, with a firmer determination, will slap their hideous faces harder in response to these crimes. Maybe he was being mindful that his own regime might not get away scot-free this time. He hurried up to claim that Tehran wholeheartedly approves of the slaughter in Israel, But he played no role in planning or executing it, he said. And of course, I told you, there is no contradiction. He did. They were the ones that planned the whole thing. We even gave you the dates and times and where they met. The planning sessions took place over a 90-day period. Of course, we praise the minds and efforts of the Palestinian youth, he said, and the resourceful and intelligent Palestinian designers, and are proud of them. He burbled while he was denouncing allegations of Iranian involvement as nonsense. Khomeini told these Iranian cadets, now remember he was at a commencement ceremony for young Iranian people that had just graduated from whatever they call their institutes of learning where they go to learn how to kill Christians and Israelis, Right. He told those cadets that all Muslims should be prepared to take up arms, fight alongside the Palestinians, comparing their struggle to Iran's long and bloody war against Saddam Hussein's Iraq back in the 1980s. In that difficult test, he said, the armed forces defended every inch of the country and the sovereignty of the holy and dear Islam and thwarted the collective conspiracy of the arrogant of the East and the West in defending the aggressor, Saddam, he said. I mean, they don't just hate Christians and Jews. They hate people that aren't like-minded. Now, the two big groups, Sunnis and Shiites, they can't stand each other. Khomeini further accused the U.S. and our allies of creating the Islamic State, which he referred to as Dash, which, D-A-E-S-H, is the uh, Islamic name for is, uh, Islamic. He referred to Dash in a wicked plot to distribute the, uh, disrupt the stability of the region. The ultimate goal of this conspiracy was Islamic Iran, but the armed forces of the Islamic Republic along with the armed forces of several other countries thwarted that sedition as well, he claimed. And if you're confused about what he meant, Iranian mythology falsely holds that Tehran's intervention to prop up the regime of Bashar Assad in Syria led to the decisive defeat of ISIS. That ain't the truth. Khomeini took his bluster to Twitter on Tuesday only to have an amusing encounter with the Israelis who let him know that his regime is very much on their minds as they said about neutralizing Hamas and its sponsors. The heads of the Zionist regime and their backers should know that the massacre and mass murder of the people of Gaza will cause a larger calamity to come upon them, he wrote. It's easy to be brave when you're hiding behind a keyboard. The State of Israel's official Twitter account responded, you and your Hamas friends will regret your barbaric actions very soon. Now before we all jump up and start taking victory dances around the campfire about what the Israelis are about to do to Hamas and the Palestinian rebels, if they're not Hamas, before you go there, please understand this. Most of the people, the ones that are up to their eyeballs and believe everything this horrible person had to say. Most radical Muslims accept that thought process and believe it. They believe it lock, stock, and barrel. And they, if they're called on, will march in step with his revolutionary guard and they will go out actively to kill the infidel. And that includes you and me. They hate the United States. And, oh, by the way, just got to remind you, we're sending them money. There's $6 billion in an account in Qatar that was released from an account in a bank in South Korea. We grabbed it, or we had South Korea grab it and keep it over there because of what they were doing. It's oil sales revenue. Iran sells a bunch of oil. That's one of the only things that they can export and make money with. Well, of course, Joe, he's in the tank for Iran. You know that. He and Barack gave him $100 billion. The last $250 million were on pallets in the back of a plane in cash. And that delivery took place before any Americans knew that we were giving them that money. And by the way, Congress never voted for that. Did you know that? $100 billion? Never voted for that. Obama did that on his own. Unconstitutionally, never was charged, never had to pay for what he did outside of the law. There's no retribution for breaking the law if you happen to be a leftist. They find it's hard to get anybody that is, anybody that is opposite of conservatism, it's hard to get them to be accountable for any of their wrongdoing. You know why? Because they're the ones that operate the entity that is supposed to call them and make them accountable for what they do. The Department of Justice. We're not going down that road. You'll get nauseated if we do. Now yesterday a state department spokesperson, guy named Matthew Miller, he got frustrated with reporters who chose to focus on the Palestinians rather than acknowledge the recent suffering of Israel during a press briefing. Israel, they're the ones that started this whole thing. No, it's not the case. Gaza is where it initiated. Hamas are the initiators. The president said that Hamas is motivated solely by the quest to kill Jews. That was what was spoken by Saeed Erekat, a reporter at Palestinian newspaper Al-Quds. Do you believe that Hamas's sole motivation is to go out and kill Jews? There's no context, Erekat asked. I have to say, Saeed, that's a bit of a surprising question after what we saw Hamas carry out this weekend. This is Miller responding. When we saw Hamas go in and deliberately target Israeli citizens, not just soldiers in the Israeli Defense Force, but women, children, we all saw the images across our TV screens of Hamas behaving in the most inhumane ways possible. And then another reporter, Max Blumenthal, at the Grey Zone News, challenged Miller about the potential fallout that Palestinian civilians could suffer during Israel's counter-strife eff- efforts in the Gaza, given the strong language of Israeli leadership. Miller responded that Israel will abide by international law, and the U.S. may not agree with all statements made by Israeli leadership, but once again noted his surprise that he was continuing to be forced to answer questions that seemed to disregard Israel's right to defend itself in the face of a brutal terrorist organization. Let me remind all of you, Our own Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, that tweet I told you he put out, and he got popped for it when it went out. Secretary of State said this, we urge Israel not to respond. That was after the carnage and the barbarism that happened in Israel over the weekend. put that in the context of you being an American, you living in the United States of America. Do you think we would never respond if the same kind of thing happened? But yet that reveals some of the thought processes that are underway in this administration. You know the administration that's Let a paltry 8 million illegals, most of whom, 90-plus percent of who, we have no idea who they are. Oh, they give us a name. They may have some kind of identification on them when they come across the border. Most of them don't. And when I say 90%, we don't know who they are. I bet you it's 99%. How many terrorists number among those 8 million? How many terrorist groups have been assembled by many of those people that number among those 8 million. You can ask this president that. He'll tell you. No idea. We do know that we stopped 150 terrorists that were on terrorist watch list when they came over. How many didn't come over and get caught while they were making the trek into the United States? How many other terrorists got in? Don't think for a second they're not everywhere. They're all over the United States waiting for whatever they wait for. Their call to go kill the infidel. I don't think we'll ever forget the scenes, the close-up stuff. I don't know about you. I did not want to look at the heart. You could go online the last, well, actually since Saturday. You can go online if you search hard enough, and you can find pictures and video of the most horrible treatment of human beings by other human beings you'll ever see in your lifetime. Yesterday, when the maybe it was yesterday, maybe it was the day before, my wife Marianne she she started crying and walked out of the room when they just started talking about just then finding those infants that had been slaughtered, not just beheaded, slaughtered, and their body parts cut cut apart. I've never heard in modern history, I've never heard of barbarism like that. And that's being applauded by these leaders of these Muslim countries and operations, terrorist groups. The Biden administration... Along with other world leaders, remove reference to Iran from a joint statement that condemned the Hamas attack against Israel. Why would they do that? President Biden, as well as leaders from France, Germany, the UK, Italy, they all signed a statement pledged to stand with Israel after Hamas launched attacks against the country starting on Saturday. Our countries will support Israel in its efforts to defend itself and its people against such atrocities. That was the initial draft according to Iran International. We further call on other extremist groups and any state that may seek to take advantage of such a situation and in particular Iran not to seek to exploit this situation for other ends or to spread the conflict beyond Gaza. When the global leaders released that statement hours later, reference to Iran wasn't in there. We further emphasized that this is not a moment for any party hostile to Israel to exploit these attacks to seek an advantage, the new statement read. Intelligence agencies from both U.S. and Israel suspect Iran is involved, It's been confirmed by people inside Iran, and yet Joe Biden hadn't said a word about Iran. Now, why would that be? Why would any credible leader of any nation, oh, I don't know, just not any nation, but the most powerful nation on the planet, why would that leader shy away from calling out the country that we know without question was not just part of and not just involved, but was and always will be in the driver's seat of creating terrorism opportunities for its people and fellow splinter terrorist operations like Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Revolutionary Guard in Iran. They're the ones that are doing it all, and we're afraid to even call them out for what we have confirmed They're doing. Meanwhile, back here in the United States, even though our president is feckless, gutless, he will not call out Khomeini in Iran. He won't do it. He backtracked. Our Secretary of State backtracked on what he said. This is not leadership, folks. This is not leadership. You want to see leadership right now? Watch what Benjamin Netanyahu does and what he says. And he, by the way, has joined forces with his number one political rival in Israel, President Herzog. They purposely put out the word, hey, we're having differences, everybody knows that in the political sphere, but this is not about politics, this is about assault and barbarism by other people that hate Israel we are going to be one in this quest to bring all those that are part of this thing, hold them accountable. Meanwhile, back here, we have our very own Palestinian in the Senate, Rashida Tlaib from Michigan. Until yesterday, she had a Palestinian flag outside of her office at the U.S. Capitol. How could this be Allowed. You would think that her fellow members in the House of Representatives would so shame her and ask her again and again, which, by the way, I'm sure you saw the video of that Fox reporter following Rashida Tlaib down two different hallways in the Capitol as she was headed to get on an elevator to get up to her office, kept asking Tlaib, how do you feel? What do you have to say about those babies in Hamas being beheaded? Asking her over and over again. Talib wouldn't even look at the reporter, wouldn't even look at the camera. Her people stood behind her as they walked. She never responded. One congressman that I'd never heard of, honestly, I didn't even know his name. Here's what he did yesterday on the floor of the House.
7: Jack Bergman here. I just introduced a resolution to censure Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib of Michigan. I don't take this action lightly, but her long-standing history of anti-Semitic and racist rhetoric towards Israel cannot go unchecked. While we don't all have to see eye to eye on every issue, I'd hope we can all agree that the terrorists raping women, murdering festival goers and decapitating babies is a crime against all of humanity and we must be able to call out that kind of unbridled evil in our world. Unfortunately, Congresswoman Tlaib chose a different path and justified the terrorist actions based on so-called Israeli occupation. We must never forget that Israel was founded as a safe haven for Jews after the scourge of anti-Semitism in Europe led to extermination of more than 6 million Jews. Hamas, Hezbollah, And other terrorist organizations operating within Gaza and the West Bank share one goal, to eliminate the state of Israel. I will always stand with Israel, and I will never waver in supporting its right to self-defense.
2: So, you just heard a Republican member of the House of Representatives that introduced a resolution to censor Rashida Tlaib. Probably nothing's going to come to it. It's probably going to be symbolic. If, uh, if not anything else. But that's not the only thing out there that needs to be addressed. This is still going on. Members of the far-left squad, Talib is one of those members, they're getting a free pass from the Democrat Party leadership in Congress over what the Biden administration described Tuesday as a disgraceful response to the atrocities committed against Israel by Hamas. Disgraceful? That's all it was, was disgraceful? I can think of a lot better adjectives to put in front of that. Fox News Digital asked House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries of New York and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York to go on the record with their views, talking about the comments made by Representative Ilhan Omar, Democrat of Minnesota, She is from Somalia. She is an American citizen, but she's Muslim. Representative Rashida Tlaib, who you know about, she's from Michigan. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York and Representative Cory Bush, Democrat from Missouri, in the wake of these brutal attacks. Nobody, none of them would offer a direct response. Jeffrey's office didn't respond to Fox at all. Schumer's office pointed to a statement he released over the weekend that condemned a pro-Hamas demonstration in Times Square. Fox pressed Schumer's office to respond directly to the statements by the squad, but didn't get an answer. No answer at all. No response at all. In their statements after the outbreak of this war between Israel and Hamas over the weekend, Talib and Bush They ignited more outrage when they called for U.S. assistance to Israel to end. I grieve the Palestinian and Israeli lives lost yesterday, today, and every day. That was in a statement released by Tlaib. As long as our country provides billions in unconditional funding to support the apartheid government, this heartbreaking cycle of violence will continue Cory Bush from Missouri Bush's statement said quote as part of achieving a just and lasting peace we got to do our part to stop this violence and trauma and you know how we're going to do it by ending us government support for israeli military occupation and apartheid occupation and apartheid do you have any idea what apartheid is? You hear it all the time. I'm just curious. This just popped into my head. A-P-A-R-T-H-E-I-D. Let me give you a definition. Now, let's see. You want, which one do we want? I'm just going to grab the first one that comes up and read you what this source is says apartheid is. Separateness, it was a system of institutionalist racial segregation that existed in South Africa and Southwest Africa, now Namibia, from 1948 to the early 1990s. Apartheid was characterized by an authoritarian political culture based on B-A-A-S-S-K-A-P. I can't even can't even say it, which ensured that South Africa was dominated politically, socially, and economically through minoritarianism by the nation's dominant minority white population. According to this system of social stratification, white citizens had the highest status, followed by Indians and coloreds. And just so you know this, I found this out when I spent a couple of weeks in Zimbabwe, Three months ago, colored is what they call. That is not an ugly or nasty label they put on somebody. Somebody that is part black, part white. In most of the nations in Africa, is called colored. The economic legacy and social effects of apartheid continue to the present day. Particularly, here we go in equality. Broadly speaking, apartheid was delineated into petty apartheid, which entailed the segregation of public facilities, social events, and grand apartheid, which dictated housing and employment opportunities by race. The first apartheid law was the Prohibition of Mixed Marriages Act, 1949, followed closely by the Immorality Amendment Act of 1950, That made it illegal for most South African citizens to marry or pursue sexual relationships across racial lines. And then the Population Registration Act of 1950 classified all South Africans into one of four racial groups based on appearance, known ancestry, socioeconomic status, and cultural lifestyle. What are those four groups? Black, white, colored, and Indian the last two of which included several sub-classifications. So to Tlaib and some of these other members of the squad, they believe Israel, Israel is an apartheid nation. In other words, they hate people that are not Jews. I know many Jews I know quite a few Israeli Jews, people that live in Israel and people that have come from Israel and are here legally and have become citizens of the United States. Let me just, we don't talk much about racism here. We really don't. We don't get into the nuts and bolts because typically that lights a fuse in some people's mind and hearts when somebody starts talking about it. Racism is not a disease. It's not. It doesn't happen. It doesn't come out of the sky and jump on you. Racism is learned. Racism is taught. Racism is accepted by people who knowingly jump on that thought process and make it their own for whatever purpose or purposes they have. But it is an individual by individual whatever you want to call it. Class warfare. And it's weaponized. It always has been. And as long as racism exists, it always will be. You can't wave a magic wand and make racism go away. You just can't do it. You can't look at somebody and say, you are no longer going to be a racist and expect there to be some outcome that agrees with what you said. It doesn't work that way. People are by nature not always thoughtful and caring and honest about pretty much anything. Thank God most of the time people that I interact with are honest and are conscious of wrongs that are around us and they reject them summarily. Judaism does not accept or embrace racism of any kind. So look at that process that we're dealing with right now. Thankfully, you and I are not directly dealing with it, although I have a friend over there. I met him last February. He was a member of the Israeli intelligence unit. He's a Christian, a Messianic Jew, believes in Jesus. Jesus was the son of God. Jesus died on the cross, resurrected for our sins to be forgiven. His name is Charlie. I reached out trying to get in touch with Charlie yesterday and today, and I have no response yet. I fear for what have might have happened to Charlie. I know he was active in the military when I met him. I know he's in the middle of this. I hope he survives. And you know what? Charlie was the antithesis, or is the antithesis to racism And you know why? Those people who grow up in it. If you're a Jew and you live in Israel, you grow up in it. You're despised. There are people that live next door to you that hate you, call you a dog. They know what it is to be racist because they're treated that way by racists. The biggest racist that we've talked about today, it's not Benjamin Netanyahu. It's Khomeini. The mullah, the ayatollah from Iran, they hate Israel just because of their background, because of their blood. Not one Israeli, not one Jew can change that. So in other words, you're not worth breathing the same air as the Iranian people are. You can't fix that. That's a state of mind and of the heart that only can be corrected on an individual basis. Now, if you're over here and you struggle with racism, you know where you can get your answer? Go to the cross. Get on your knees and pray and ask God to take that out of your heart to show you how to reject it summarily. There's no provision in the word of God. I can't find it that allows... Racism or looking at people's skin color, religious perspective, nation of origin. You can't look at anybody and rule them either worthy or unworthy of anything just because of those things, those attributes that they were biologically born with and part of. Racism its not one of those things. You're not born with that. You choose to accept it and make it yours. That's the only way you become a racist. May not want to hear that, but that's the truth. Meanwhile, this is October, Halloween month, 31st. Oh my gosh, it's Halloween. All kinds of ugliness comes out. And guess what? in the political world that we're talking about today. Guess what's happening on Friday? One former Hamas leaders have called for a day of jihad this Friday. Friday the 13th, uh uh-huh, tells Muslims to take to the streets in protest against Israel. Khalid Meshal led Hamas from 2004 to 2017, now lives in Qatar, he declared last Friday that this Friday was going to be a worldwide day of jihad, and he urged Muslims to rise up. "We must head to the squares and streets of the Arab and Islamic world on Friday," he said. Michelle, who is based in Qatar, said a government and peoples of Jordan, Syria, Lebanon and Egypt have a bigger duty to support the Palestinians. Tribes of Jordan, sons of Jordan, brothers and sisters of Jordan, this is a moment of truth, and the borders are close to you. You all know your responsibility. This was in a recording. I've actually seen and listened to the recording. To all scholars who teach jihad, to all who teach and learn, this is a moment for the application of theories, And by the way, Jordan and Lebanon are home of the largest number of Palestinian refugees. Michal's call for a Friday 13th uprising was reiterated by Hamas itself, according to the Israeli-run Washington, D.C.-based Middle East Media Research Institute. They said that Hamas urged its supporter in Gaza, the West Bank, and Israel to rise up in what he called Al-Aqasa Flood, Echoing what the secretive Palestinian mastermind, Mohammed Deif calls the attack he launched on Saturday against Israel. The phrase Israel's most wanted man used in an audio tape broadcast as Hamas fired thousands of rockets out of Gaza over the weekend signaled the attack was their payback for Israeli raids at Jerusalem's al Aqsa Mosque. We declare next Friday the Friday of the al Escaf flood as a day of general mobilization in our Arab and Islamic world and among the free people of the world. It is a day to rally support, offer aid, and participate actively. You don't hear much of that coming out of Christians' mouth. Catholics, Jewish men, you just don't hear much of that. I wonder why. And yet there are at least three generations that are breathing air today and they believe every bit of this drivel that you're hearing today coming out of the mouths of these Muslim leaders. Not trying to scare anybody, trying to give people facts and just because we say it here doesn't mean it's right. Just because we say it here doesn't make it wrong. What we're telling you are facts calling on you to take the facts and go verify them for yourselves or debunk them for yourselves. We want you to believe the truth. We think in most everything we talk about here, we're on top of it. We may be wrong, and if we are, we'll say we missed that. We're wrong. You don't hear anybody in, oh, I don't know, Iran or Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Iran, of course, you don't ever hear them ever saying, we may be wrong and believe in believing this. And if we are, we'll backtrack and turn it around and go the other way. Oh, my gosh, they would never say that.
1: You need brake pads? We have brake pads. Like dependable brake pads, quieter brake pads, longer life brake pads, and performance brake pads. At AutoZone, we have all the brake pads you need so you can get the job done right.
3: Get in the
2: zone. AutoZone. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. We design smarter ways to detect motion for emergency dispatch in seconds. We create HD cameras so you can see what's happening in your home from anywhere, all powered by Fast Protect technology, exclusively from Simply Safe, for faster police response because in here, your safety is the only thing that matters. Advanced home security, 24/7 professional monitoring. There's no safe
6: like Simply Safe.
3: We got you something. It's a deep, deep dish pepperoni and bacon pizza. And we gift wrapped it with over three and a half feet of bacon. You've been working so hard. We love you. Get a Little Caesars Large Bacon Wrapped Deep, Deep Dish Pizza for just 12 bucks. Try our convenient app and Pizza Portal Pickup. Pizza, Pizza.
6: I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef.
1: Introducing the All-Natural Burger, the first ever in fast food, with no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr.
0: Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's
1: Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the...
2: You know something you're not hearing any conversation about, and it's an important thing that needs to be discussed, especially looking in the rearview mirror at how the Biden administration took care of Americans and our allies that we had promised for, I don't know, 20 years. You work with us, you work for us in Afghanistan, if and when we decide to leave we're going to take you and your family members with us. We will never leave. Our military will never leave Afghanistan without you going with us or already having been sent to the U.S. Remember those promises? <laughs> they didn't last long. We still have hundreds of American people and our friends that gave their lives, when they committed to work with the United States military and intelligence community in Afghanistan, their lives in Afghanistan, their lives as Muslims was over. What did Joe Biden do? He and his crew, they just took off and left them there. It's taken a bunch of private Americans to find ways to get a bunch of people out of Afghanistan years after we left, and many are still over there hiding for their lives. White House National Security Spokesman John Kirby was asked point-blank yesterday why the U.S. hasn't evacuated Americans from Israel when other countries have already been flying their citizens out of Israel to safety. Multiple airlines canceled flights to and from Israel on Monday. That's just Two days after Hamas launched those attacks, Joe Biden advised Americans in Israel to book flights out of the country hours after the airlines had already announced their cancellation. Listen to what John Kirby said. I want to start with the efforts to get Americans out of Israel right now. News Nation Chief White House Correspondent Blake Berman told Kirby, I think Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri. Sort of summed it up. Many people are asking. Here's a social media post he put out. Here's a quote. For the second time in two years, Americans are stranded in a war zone. What's the plan to get them out? How can you answer that question? Now, this is that News Nation reporter Berman asking Admiral, former Admiral John Kirby at the White House, how can you answer this? Kirby, quote, Well, a couple of things here. First of all, commercial flights are still going in and out of Ben Gurion Airport. So that's always an option for those who may want to leave, Kirby said. Well, Berman, he pressed Kirby. He noted that several other countries, including, you know, these mass big countries that have unlimited resources like Fiji and Hungary, they've already evacuated all of their citizens from Israel. How was it that we are seemingly behind several countries on this front, Berman asked the admiral. I think I would take issue with you that we're behind anybody here. We have been exploring options and continue to do that. Now listen closely. I'm going to ask a question and I'm going to give you the answer. How many Americans have the Biden administration gotten out of Israel? Are you guessing a number? It's not hard. Zero. Zero. Just like in Kabul. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. This is fact. We verified this that as we were pulling out of Kabul when that horror show played out and those 12 brave Americans were blown up by our own explosives that Biden had just left in Bagram Air Base, they got it, created a vest for a suicide bomber who wore it to the Abbey Gate and blew up 12 of our brave men and women in uniform. We have a history with that. They hadn't done anything then, made no plans to get Americans that had been there. Many of them had been there working with and for our military for 20 years. They left them there. And as I said before, unless it was for these brave private people putting these plans together, often with their own money, and getting these people out, many of them having to travel in the dark of night, going across mountains. It's not an easy thing getting in and out of Afghanistan when the Taliban controls everything. One would think one of the first things we would do as a government is make sure this time we had a plan in place to get our people, Americans, out of there. We were told... We had somebody on this show live that told us they called the U.S. Embassy in Kabul to figure out what to do. Could they come to the embassy? What should they do? And the phone line was dead. There was nobody there to answer the phone. They were all gone. Guess what happened yesterday? If you tried to call the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem? No answer. Not even a recorded message. Republican Representative Corey Mills of Florida blasted Biden while Mills was on the ground in Israel, saying U.S. citizens looking to leave the country are getting nowhere with Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State, State Department. Hamas attacked these locations last Saturday. They killed over 1,000 people. It's now up to 3,000. 24 Americans. Multiple airlines canceled flights to and from Israel following the commencement of military operations against Hamas. It's about 2.30 in the morning here, but bottom line is that we were getting a ton of requests from Americans who were stranded, who had tried to reach out to the State Department and were getting nowhere, had flights canceled, no more hotel rooms available, and were really kind of on their own. That's Representative Mills. And I just kind of made the decision, you know, that I needed to step up and do something. We talk about the difference between statesmen and politicians. One acts and one talks. This isn't my first time doing this because my team and I conducted the first successful overland rescue out of Afghanistan that rescued a mother and three children, he said. Biden told Americans in Israel to take commercial flights. (laughs) And he told them to do that after the flights had been canceled. Biden also got criticism for hosting that barbecue for White House staff last Sunday Remember, that was 24 hours plus after this shellacking had started to take place with the slaughter of hundreds in Gaza and Israel. While the Biden administration claimed Iran had not spent any of those $6 billion worth of dollars that were being held in that South Korea bank, and then moved to the bank and cutter exports said that allowing those funds to be used for humanitarian aid freed up the use of other funds to promote terrorism. I put all this 100% on the Biden administration. Biden released $6 billion. It's still a fungible and very easily movable income that they have. Iran's oil revenue has gone up to $30 billion. And you know, back when Trump was in office, It was half that. We're literally funding the terrorism that's hitting our allies, endangering Americans, Mills added. Of course, you call the State Department. You don't get anybody to return a call. They won't even talk about it. They have no plans. They have none. The President of the United States is the one that always in our history, when something like this happens, steps up, makes a definitive decision and goes public with what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, and what and who people should contact that are caught in this situation. And we guarantee that we, the people, our government, get them out of Dodge safely. I've got another story here. I don't have time to give you the details. Let me just give you the quick skinny. One leader in Hamas was asked on one of the Muslim TV, I don't know if it's station or network or whatever it was, what was asked about why it's such a big deal for Hamas to take all of these people captive. We know, we we don't know how many. I don't know how many. Maybe the Biden administration does know or doesn't know. I would lean towards saying they don't know, don't have a clue of how many Americans they have captured in this onslaught that began last Saturday morning. One leader of Hamas was on this network last night, our time, and he was bragging about having hostages, american hostages and the reporter whoever it was asked this leader what's what's the what's the end result of holding these people hostage you know what he said americans they pay for hostage releases this is about money this is about support For the people of Palestine. Thanks for listening in today, folks. Thank you for being here every day. Back tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. We'll see you then.